0: good to see everyone out with us this morning. It's been a joy to worship with you all. I so appreciate the singing that we're able to participate in together and the time to assemble around the Lord's table and to remember his sacrifice, pray together. It's been a wonderful, wonderful morning. It's a joy to be here with you all. The theme that we have for the first trimester of this year is God and family first. And Kevin laid out kind of the direction of this theme as the elders put that together for us just a couple of weeks ago. And so over the next several weeks, the rest of this trimester, Jeremy and I will be presenting lessons um, that come from Kevin's uh, original lesson on this topic. And this is really the first of this series that we're doing. we're going to talk this morning about the importance of dating and the importance of choosing a spouse. Now, as we begin this lesson, there is one point that I want to make at the very outset of the lesson this morning. And that is that we need everyone engaged in this discussion. So, if you are married, I need you engaged in the lesson this morning and I need you here tonight at 5 p.m. as we talk more about this topic if you are single I need you engaged in this lesson and I need you here at 5 p.m. to talk more about this topic if you've been married for 50 years the same thing applies if you have children grandchildren great-grandchildren the same thing applies we need everyone engaged and participating In this conversation turn with me to Titus chapter 2 in Titus chapter 2 the idea not specific to the topic of dating or choosing a spouse but the idea of the older teaching the younger generation is brought to Titus's attention here by Paul beginning in verse 1 of chapter 2 it says but as for you speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine that the older men may be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. The older women, likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. You see, Paul recognized the importance That the older generation has to be godly and righteous in their own lives and then to take that wisdom that has been captured through years of experience and time spent in God's Word and to share that with the younger generation we can't have a conversation that is helpful and beneficial on the topic of dating and choosing a spouse without those who have been through that time period of their lives and maybe have made some poor decisions maybe have made some good decisions, but capturing the wisdom that they have learned through those experiences and sharing them with the next generation. We need everyone engaged in this conversation. And we need everyone because this topic is so, so important. Outside of choosing to become a Christian There is no more impactful decision that a person will make in their life than who they choose to marry. It is that crucial that we collectively are engaged and participating in this conversation so that we can help the younger generation, we can teach them and instruct them in the ways of righteousness, and so that they too can grow up to serve God in their homes, and their families, and in the church. So with that said, I, I want to kind of give you two big principles that are going to guide both the discussion this morning and the discussions that we'll have this evening when we come back to the building at 5 p.m. There, there's two principles that I want you to keep in the back of your mind This morning and the first one enjoy whatever stage of life in which you find yourself as we talk about dating as we talk about the prospects of choosing a spouse sometimes that can be a very heavy time period of someone's life it can even become a bit of a discouraging time period of someone's life potentially but it's a time period full of emotion And maybe full of uncertainty, maybe full of some disappointment, maybe full of excitement. But I think one thing that we see very clearly in Scripture is that God wants us to enjoy and to appreciate whatever season of life we find ourselves in. Being envious of another person's season of life is only diminishing the good that God intends for you to find in your own. I have on my wall in my office Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And it's a passage of Scripture that, that I very much appreciate and have gone back to several times. I love studying the book of, of Jeremiah. But I want you to read this passage of Scripture. It may sound Uh, Familiar to you, but I want you to read it in the context of when Jeremiah is writing this Jeremiah is prophesying during the time period in which Babylon is taking Jerusalem And it's a gruesome time period There are people who are suffering There are people who are being ripped away from their homes And the nation as a whole is on the precipice of going into captivity. And with that, Jeremiah writes these words in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God says, I am building something within you during this season of your life. I am working in you. I have plans for you that you don't even see yet. You don't know what I'm working on right now. But God is there, and He's active, and He wants good the people, even during what they considered, obviously, to be a very dark period of their lives. Now, I'm not suggesting to you this morning that the time period of dating should be some dark period of your life. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, I'm saying just the opposite. What what I would say to you is that whatever season of life you find yourself in, married, single, whatever, it does not matter, God is building something within you. He is preparing you for something because he wants good for you. So appreciate the season of life that you find yourself in. Don't be envious of someone else's season of life. Embrace the season that you are in and recognize that God is building something inside of you. He is preparing you for something because he wants good for you. That's principle number one. Principle number two Limits that we talk about around dating aren't meant to just restrict your behaviors and desires. They are meant to positively preserve the beauty and the uniqueness of the marriage relationship. Sometimes the conversation around dating centers around don't have sex before you get married. Now listen, we're going to talk about that in just a second. That is a huge, huge, important topic that God addresses many times in the New Testament. Any sexual relationship outside of marriage is condemned in Scripture very plainly. But what if we talk about it just slightly differently? Or what if we include... In the conversation it's not just about abstaining from sex it's about preserving what God has created in the marriage relationship you see there is something beautiful there is something holy there is something incredible that God has created within the marriage relationship that the limits that are placed around dating Protect and preserve. Uh, look at an example of this with me in Hebrews chapter 13. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 4. The Hebrew writer says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. Does that passage teach that sex outside of marriage is condemned? Yes, it does. But why? Why is that so? It's because marriage is honorable. It is holy. It is something that God created for our good. 1 Thessalonians, another example of this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Again, why is it important to abstain from sexual immorality? Because God has sanctified us. And because controlling these desires leads to honor. The the same idea that the Hebrew writer brings out as he talks about marriage. And so, yes, it is important to teach our young children the importance of abstaining from sex before marriage that is an important thing that we must teach but let's teach it let's teach it with the beauty of marriage being the backdrop to that conversation you see you abstain from sex before marriage so as to preserve the beauty of what God has created within the marriage relationship that, that changes the conversation a bit it, it changes the conversation to recognize what God has created, and the beauty of preserving that extreme intimacy for the marriage relationship. I would suggest to you that along the same lines, even the conversation, again, a very important conversation, one that must be had, uh, about whether a a Christian can or should date somebody who's not a Christian, or should should they marry someone who is not a Christian. Again, a very important topic of conversation that must be discussed with our children. But I want you to consider the fact that perhaps we should be discussing that from the perspective of the wisdom that God places in joining ourselves with a Christian because of what that can lead to as those two become one flesh and work together in their service to God. We'll reference passages like 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, where Paul there, as he writes to the Christians in Corinth, and he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And sometimes we can turn to that passage of Scripture, and we can say, see, it's a sin to marry somebody who's not a Christian. Well, let's think about that. Let's think about what Paul is trying to say in that passage. You see, there is wisdom that needs to be applied and discernment that needs to be applied to who we join ourselves together in this world so that we can be all that God wants us to be. He has made something wonderful and beautiful when two become one and now work together in service to Him. That's the beauty of a marriage relationship in which two Christians join themselves together as one. Paul is writing there in context to a group of Christians in Corinth who are struggling to break free of the worldliness and the idolatry that has surrounded them. And he is encouraging them to use caution and to use wisdom when you consider who you are going to join yourself to in this life. That wisdom that Paul is giving to the Christians in Corinth should absolutely apply to when we consider who we are going to date, who we are going to marry, allow that to be guidance for us because we can see the incredible joy and the incredible encouragement and edification that comes from sharing your life with someone who also shares your faith. Th- that is where the conversation should go around a topic like this, and it can serve as an encouraging An uplifting way of discussing a topic like this. So those are the two big principles that I want you to just kind of keep in the back of your mind this morning and again this evening as we discuss this further. With that there's three points then that I want us to consider around this topic And, and each of these will show up a little bit in some of the different ways with the discussion questions that I've prepared this evening. So Listen to to what we're talking about this morning, give it some thought, and then you'll be prepared to discuss some of those questions this evening. And the first one that I want you to consider really centers around the purpose of dating. the, The purpose of dating is to ultimately find a spouse. And that may seem very obvious in saying that, But I do fear sometimes that people begin dating because that's what all their friends are doing. Or they begin dating because honestly they're just kind of (laughs) bored. Dating, the, the purpose behind it is to one day lead you to finding a spouse. And so if you are of the age where you are dating, when you are thinking about dating, use those opportunities if you... Begin seeing someone, to get to know them. Not just superficially, but really get to know them. Don't don't be afraid in a dating relationship to talk about your convictions. In fact, make it a priority. Don't don't shy away from talking about what's most important in your life. Don't, Don't shy away from talking about your faith. Because you're afraid that maybe that individual, if they don't believe the same things that I do, they may break up with me. Well, here is, here is the reality. Every single dating relationship is going to end one of two ways. You're either going to break up or you're going to get married. Don't be afraid to share the things with the person that you're seeing that are important to you and truly get to know them. Because if they're not going to share those things and they're going to be constantly pulling in a different direction than you're pulling in your life, down the road, that's going to cause a lot of problems. The purpose of dating is to really be able to get to know one another to determine whether or not you could one day see yourself marrying that person. So, pray together. Study the Bible together. Talk about your faith. Do all of these things during the dating process. And always remember that the reason you're dating is because you are looking for the person that you are going to spend the rest of your life with. Secondly, I want to talk to parents for just a second, of which I am one. And I've been talking to myself all week as I have been preparing this for me, or preparing this lesson. And I will tell you that this particular point has made me more emotional than any other aspect of this lesson. Parents, we might be raising someone's future spouse. Someone in this room might be raising a future husband for one of my girls. And Ashley and I might be raising a future wife for one of your boys. Please, please train them in godliness. Teach them Instruct them, discipline them, pray for them. Because it's not just their soul that's at stake in this. What if we all trained our children thinking about their future spouse? what if the example that we set for our children we set that thinking about the type of person that I want my daughters to marry one day that puts a lot of pressure on me as a father to live and to be the kind of person that I want my children to spend the rest of their lives with. that's a heavy responsibility But as parents, that's the responsibility that we bear. To teach our children and to prepare them and to set an example for them so that they can one day be a godly spouse, a godly husband, a godly wife one day. We cannot take this lightly. And I would ask if you are a parent, pray endlessly for the spouse that your children may one day marry. Even though you have no idea who they are. Start praying for them now. And if you don't have children, pray for those of us who do. Or if your children are grown, or your children are out of the house, married, whatever it is, please pray for the parents who are raising children in this world, preparing them to one day be a spouse that can help lead their spouse to heaven. We all need to be praying about this, thinking about this, talking about this because of the weight that we carry in raising a future spouse for someone else. And then lastly, if you are in the dating season of your life or if you are preparing to be in that season of life, I want to ask you to consider tearing up your list of expectations and replacing it with God's. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. I, I, Ashley and I have been married for 14 years now, and it, so it's been a while since I have been uh, thinking about uh, dating in in some of these ways, But but I can still remember. Every single one of us had in our heads, in our minds, a picture of that perfect person for us, right? We, we had a picture of how they look, how they think, how they look, what interests they have. We, we had all of these things built in our minds of, of what that perfect person Would be for us but but here's the problem with that here's the problem with that sometimes we can get so committed to this ideal that we have just created in our own minds that God could literally put the perfect person for you and your life in front of you and you wouldn't give them a second look because that individual in your head doesn't check every box That's why reading the passages that Andrew read for us in Ephesians 5 are so important even long before you get married. Because when when God talks about the husband and the role that he is to have in the family and how he is to love his wife selflessly and sacrificially, those are the expectations that you should be looking for in a potential spouse. And men... Turn with me to Proverbs 31, and let me give you the list of what you should be looking for in a future wife. It may not match up exactly with what your list is, but I'm going to ask you to tear up your list and to replace it with God's, because when God sees a virtuous woman, a virtuous wife, here is what he sees. Beginning in verse number 10, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good, and not evil, all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax, and willingly works with her hands. She is like the, she is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night, and provides food. Food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, as he praises her, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Men, there's your list of expectations for your future spouse. Now, certainly, um, some of these things may not directly apply to the way that our world works today. I understand that. But when you look at that passage of Scripture right there, that's the kind of woman that you want to be looking for to spend the rest of your life with. Whatever picture you may have developed in your mind, I'm going to ask you to put that to the side and to replace it with what God says is a virtuous wife that's the type of person that you should be looking for. Women, whatever picture of the man you have in your mind, I'm going to ask you to put that to the side, and I'm going to ask you to think about what God sees in a righteous and godly husband. And look for those qualities and those characteristics. As you are thinking about a spouse for yourself one day. Now that's not easy to do, I understand that. And I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't be attracted to your future husband or wife. That's not what I'm suggesting either. But this ideal that sometimes we create in our head, that sometimes we allow culture to create in our head for us, works against what God sees as a godly and righteous spouse that can help lead you to heaven. So tear up your list of expectations and replace it with God's. As I mentioned, I've mentioned several times now, this evening we're going to get together to discuss this topic in more detail, and we're going to take some of these relatively broad principles that we've talked about this morning, and we're going to discuss this on a very practical level this evening, and I look forward to doing that with all of you. Because, as I've emphasized, and I will continue to do so, we need everyone involved in this discussion. And I appreciate you listening, I appreciate you being engaged this morning. Whatever season of life you find yourself in, I appreciate your willingness to engage in this discussion with us. You know, I look back on the time before Ashley and I were married and before Ashley and I started dating. And I made some mistakes along the way. And as a result of some of those mistakes, I've got some pretty funny stories. (laughs) I've got some sad stories. And I'm probably not alone in that. But as I think back on that time period of my life, there are two things that I see more clearly because of that stage of my life. I see God's grace and I see God's wisdom. I see his grace with how he dealt with me and the patience that he showed me. And I see his wisdom as he worked on my heart and as he redirected me and led me to my spouse. I, I see that more clearly, removed from that situation that I did in the moment. But I see God's grace and I see God's wisdom in my life, and the more that I lean on those, the more that I realize not only does he know what's best for me in every aspect of life, but that he has prepared a way for me to be holy and to be righteous. And he has done that for every single person. He has prepared a way for you, whatever stage of life you are in, to be holy and to be righteous. And that all goes back to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It's through him that he prepared a way. For all of us to live holy and to live righteously. And so as we conclude this morning, I want to ask you to just consider your stage of life, the decisions that you have made, where you find yourself now. And I want you to look for God's grace I want you to look for the wisdom that he has given to you, to those around you, to direct your life. And I want you to recognize that he has prepared a way through his son for you today, right now, to be holy and righteous before him. If you are ready to give your life to Christ in baptism and to take advantage of that grace that he brought to this world, You have an opportunity to do that this morning. Maybe you recognize sin in your life. Maybe you recognize sin that has stemmed from a dating relationship. Or maybe you recognize sin that has stemmed from another aspect of your life. And you realize the need to repent of that. So that you can once again stand before God holy and just. You have an opportunity because of God's patience and because of God's grace to repent of that, to be welcomed back into his fold. And we've got a group of people here uh, that would be very excited to participate in that journey with you, to pray for you, to hug you, to encourage you. So if we can help you in any way this morning, please come to the front and let us know how as we stand and sing.